Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. I need to tell you a quick story that has nothing to do with the sermon. Um, partly because it's funny, and partly because I feel like I should probably confess this. So, um, went to a volleyball tournament. Uh, not very long ago, I went to one yesterday with, with my oldest daughter, and then went to one before that. Remember where we were? Where were we? Like Lawrence? Is that where we were? I think we were in Lawrence. Huge parking lot. All right. So I took a break from the volleyball tournament. Uh, my daughter wasn't playing. I went and I sat in the truck and I was doing some typing. And this guy, I saw him wander in front of me, and he's looking like this, like through this massive parking lot. Like this. And so I knew what he was doing. I thought, you know, and I'm thinking spiritually at this point. You know, I'm thinking, you know, it's kind of what we all look like, really. I'm kind of just looking at the metaphor. I'm just processing. It's kind of what we all look like. Just looking for our way in the world. Here he is, you know, trying his best, looking for his way out. You know, this, this is making a lot of sense to me. And off he went. And I thought, I'll go on about my business. I get to type in some more, and I took a break. I looked up, and here it goes again. Comes walking, walking back by. Same guy. Recognized. We had this big, uh, kind of a big red beard, and he had a little girl uh, with him uh, who had a little backpack, and look at his daughter, and they're walking by. And I thought, wow, this guy is more lost than most people, you know. So, man, this is kind of what we all look like, you know, just wandering through life, looking for our way out of the grand parking lot, you know, of life. And I thought, oh, this is, this is interesting. It's interesting. But it's not really that interesting, so I'm going to go about my business. I started typing some more, and then I looked up. <clears throat> Kid you not, third time. Here he comes, walking through. This time, he's got his hand up in the air with this little remote control clicker. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, now how in the world does this fit? And then there was this voice inside me that was like, honk your horn. And, 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 I, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm mostly, most of the time, in a pretty good spot to where I can be like, because this is a constant deal. Like, there's these things that, like, come up. You know what we ought to do? <laughs> no, no, that's not a good decision. Like, don't do it. Like, I'm typically in that place. And this guy comes wandering by, and they're going like this. Immediately, immediately, like, tick, like he changes direction, comes one back the other way, like towards me, and I was just like, he holds up, like a beep, and I was like, stop doing this to yourself. You're not, oh, you are not a good person, you know. And this guy, what, to get him wandering around, like, nick, like, it's like, ah, Jared, Jared, Jared. Yesterday, I'm in a parking lot. This volleyball tournament. These people come wandering by. And they just walk right in front of my truck. <laughs> and I'm like, don't honk your horn. Like, don't. Like, it's just terrifying. Like, you give somebody a heart attack. <laughs> don't. Dang thing. So I kind of feel like I needed to tell you that, partly for your amusement as well as my own. And not really because I need, felt like I needed to confess that. I just really wanted to share it with you. But yeah, it's a bad deal. Bad deal, really. Like, but you know that thing, like it just goes on in your head. You know, we ought to. 
It's that oftentimes it can, it can be a harmless thing like that. Like you just, this guy lost 15 minutes looking for his car. That's, 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 that's pretty harmless, you know? I mean, that's all right. But uh, oftentimes for me, it's not always harmless. There's those thoughts, hey, we ought to think about them way too long, way too long. Did an experiment in my house not long ago. And I went in and I told my daughters, this is so beautiful. Uh, listen, from now on, for the next 30 days, we're going to listen to Christian music. Listen, you would have thought I said, um, we're going to move outside and we're going to sleep under the stars from this point forward. No! The weeping and gnashing of teeth. Like, we're going to listen to Christian music from this point forward. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. I can't. Like, <clears throat> look, I don't like it any more than you do, all right? Um, it's sometimes very hard to listen to. Sometimes it's very good, but I, I think we need to do this. So for the last 30 days, I think today is the 30th day. I think we're finally over our 30 days of Christian music. And I don't mean it to sound like we're over it, but I mean it to sound like we're way over it. We're over it. Because my house is full of music all the time. All these kind of, I mean, almost daily. Dad, have you heard this song? Dad, have you heard this song? Dad, have you heard this song? This stuff playing everywhere all the time. But I noticed some things. I noticed some things in my house that were, that were a little off. And I thought, you know what? We need, to, we need to adjust some stuff. And I think what we'll adjust is this. Because we have our proclivity. I like this kind of music. My daughter likes this. Surprisingly, my 10-year-old, she really likes rap, you know? And, and not, not happy rap most of the time, you know? <laughs> Typically some pretty sad stuff. Clean, but just sad stuff. She kind of she digs it, you know? Um, and so we kind of changed the whole thing up. So this is what we listen to. And we just listen to Christian music. Instantly, here's what I saw happen at our house. Um, bedtime was so much easier. Bedtime was so much easier. There's not all this chatter. There's not these bad moods. There's not this, um, I'm scared. Did you lock the door? These kind of conversations, they, they went away. You know what else I noticed? The bickering stopped. Throughout, all four of us. Like just the, the, the getting each other. Stopped. Something to do with what we hear and how it affects what go, what's going on on the inside. Now, do I think that that is the cure-all for everything that's going on in the world? If everybody would just turn on K-Love, then instantly the world would be a better place. No, because later on my 14-year-old explained to me, Dad, this music that you're making me listen to it makes me angry. <laughs> to which I said, I agree. But we've only got two more days or whatever it was, you know. So we're going to do it, you know. And we made it. And we survived it. It was good. But those are the things that I begin to see that they change. There's something to do with what we hear, what we take into our life, and, and what comes out of our life. Do I want to listen to Christian music all the time? Listen, if this, if this offends you and hurts your feelings, listen, you've got to understand Christian music is not my thing. It's just not. I can appreciate it. But as far as just that chipper, everything's in the key of C and sunshine and Jesus and Skittles and rainbows, dude, that is not where I live, you know? It's not where I live. I appreciate people who do. I want them in my life. But I do not exist in that realm anywhere. But the last 30 days, we put ourselves there. 
And it's amazing. You know what happened? The music went away. I stopped hearing the music as just music, and I started just moving on with my life. I was thinking about things that were more positive. There's something connected to that very thing. This sermon series uh, that we're going through is over our, what we called before, our armorial achievements, these shields, these, this crest that is up here. The second one that we're on, we talked about the cross last week, and that's the first one that's up on the back wall. The next one is the book. And now, if you've got a little slip of paper in the front of your seat in front of you, um, we'll have those filled up, filled up this next week uh, if, you don't, if you don't have one nearby. The book. Uh, this is our manual. This is, this is God's word. The more of God's word that we take into our life, the more it changes us. It changes us. So begin to sit down and think, so how in the world do we utilize God's word in the life that we live in? And the answer is this. It was just a glaring, just big, bright answer. We don't use it. It uses us. We don't grab a hold of it and use it and take it and manipulate the world around us with it. It comes into our life and changes us. It is a sword that is first used on us. Once we are familiar with it and it has penetrated our hearts and our lives, then we can pick it up and do something positive with it on the other side. We're safe. Listen, you don't take a kindergartner and hand him a Bowie knife. You just don't. Some of you have. Great decision, but it's happened, you know. Just hand it to him unsupervised. Why? Because he doesn't know what he's doing. And the, the fear isn't he could hurt somebody. He's not going to hurt somebody. He's going to hurt himself before this whole deal's over with. That's what's going to happen. And oftentimes what happens is when we give our life to Christ and then we start off on this journey, we'll begin to pull these little verses apart, take these little verses, and we'll go out into the world and we'll say, this is what this means, and we'll beat everybody we see over the head with that verse. We will hurt people around us. We will divide our families in half. With the word of God, because we can do this, because this is a verse I know. Hold on. Has it affected and changed the stuff in you first? If it hasn't, then maybe go light for just a second. It's got to affect you first. We don't take it and go change things. It changes us, and then we will go out into the world, and God opens up these wonderful opportunities for us to minister to other people. There's four things I want to point out about this verse that is underneath uh, this passage back here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Here's what the verse says. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. The word of God is Living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The first thing I want to point out is living and active. This, this phrase right here. Now, this is not hyperbolic language. You understand? This is not hyperbolic language. It's not, just, it's not like when we say, like, dude, oh, my goodness. You know what? I saw some ducks earlier. Like, probably a bajillion of them. Did you really see a bajillion of them? Well, I don't know, like a couple thousand, which is a whole lot less than a couple of bajillion if bajillion is a number, Right? This is it's a lot less hyperbolic. The word of God is so sharp, it is living and active. It can carve between bone and marrow. Bone and marrow? Can you separate bone and marrow? I can't. I can't do it. Soul and spirit. Attitude. 
The intentions and the attitude of the heart, what's the NIV say? Thoughts and attitudes of the heart, separate those out. This is not hyperbolic language. It is breaking it down and saying, this is exactly what it can do. Here's the background. The background that we live in is this, and we've talked about this before. The idea of perpetual motion and perpetual motion machines, that they do not exist. You cannot create something and get free energy. You can't do it. Everything is on a slow decline to the, to, the, to the end, right? It's always fading down. This is why so many elements in the world have a half-life. This is why when you roll a ball across a parking lot, at some point it stops rolling. This is why when you look in the mirror in certain light and you think to yourself, my, Jared, your face is really getting wrinkly, you know? Because as it all begins, now we are on our way out. It's all on a slow decline to the end. We live in a world that it is constantly dying. Vehicles do not get better with time. The more miles, the better the vehicle. Really, maybe for a minute. Then what? It's not. What about you? Muscles get weaker. Bones get weaker. Ligaments and tendons get weaker. We're all on the downhill this is this awesome? Like, this would be the greatest church commercial in the world. Welcome to Fellowship Regional Church, where everything's on its way out. <laughs> For more encouraging messages. But it's true. It's 100% true. Like, this is the world we live in. Most things are not living and active. They're surviving. They might be sustaining for a moment, but only for a moment. Everything and everyone here is gradually declining. It's true, except the Word of God. It is living and active. The Word is energy. It's living. It's living and active. It's the raw energy of, it's not going anywhere. It doesn't have a half-life. It continues to move forward. It is perpetual. It just sits there and continues to be itself as it was from the beginning of eternity till the end of eternity, if either of those things even exist. It is just what it is, and the Word of God is living and active. Now, here's what I love about this whole idea, <clears throat> that, <clears throat> excuse me, that in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, He spoke, and when He spoke, that was, the, that was the, the, the means of transportation or the fabric that God used to create the world. It was his words. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And then what it says is it begins to talk about what the, what the, uh, what the, old, school, what the old school historians would call the Imago Dei, the image of God. The image of deity, Imago Dei. And then God created, God said, let us create man in our own image. So he creates us in his image. If we are created in the image of God, then we also possess some ability to be able to speak and change the things around us. And that has to be true because it's happened to me and it's happened to you. Why else would you be here? Did you come here for a different reason? Yeah, I really like the music. Well, sorry. I mean, they're great musicians, but that's your reason? Then I think you still came here to hear something that could change you. It's true. 
We are created in that same way. We go out into the world and we begin to speak positive things to other people and take God's word and speak God's word to other people. You don't think that changes them? You know what I love? I mean, I don't mean love like love, love. I mean love like, you know what really irritates me is this. When people complain about, well, my life is just so terrible. Uh, I, don't put a whole, I, don't, I don't put all my eggs in this basket. But you know what? There is some truth to if you keep saying that your life is terrible, your life is terrible. I mean, all you have to do is just keep saying it over and over and over and over and over, and it will continue to be terrible. My kids are terrible. My kids are terrible. Oh my goodness, my kids are terrible. You know what? The more you bag on your husband or you bag on your wife or you bag on your boss, the more you'll hate them. Isn't that weird? Your words are creating the world that you live in. Oh my gosh, my kids are such a mess. You're right. And your contribution to that is your words. Keep throwing it out there. Just keep building up this mound of this is terrible, this is terrible, this is terrible. I have to tell myself things all the time. I have to talk to myself like I'm a four-year-old at times. I have to get myself off in the corner and be like, buddy, you're doing good. <laughs> buddy, you're doing good. And I'm like, am I? Am I? Like, I am. You're doing good. You're doing good, pal. Am I, am I really doing You're doing it. You're making it. Okay, if you say so. Okay. Are you talking to yourself? Yeah, is it okay? I don't know. It's not. I don't know if this is safe. You know, should we call someone in? No, I think we got it. That's the problem, you know? But I refuse to be in that place to where like, I am this, I am this, I am this. Things that I'll jump on my kids for when I hear them say things like, oh, because I'm stupid. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not stupid. Made a mistake? Fair. Yeah. But if you're created in the Imago Dei, in the image of God, you have to be very, very, very careful with your words. You have to say different words so that you can build a different world around you. It is living and active. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 says this, Though heaven and earth will pass away, my words will never pass away. That's Jesus' words. That's Jesus' words. Here's another thing that I like about it, like about this passage when it's talking about why do we pick scripture to put on this crest and say, this is the most important thing. Why? Because the Bible has all the rules. No, that's not, that's not the important part. The rules? Oh, because it's our manual? I mean, it's a manual in the sense of like a dictionary is a manual for, you know, uh, English. I mean, it, it contains things that are important, but it, it's, it's more than that. It's more than that. God's word is this thing that moves into our life and has this super ability to carve us up. Now, at first glance, here's the things we say. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want something carving me up. I don't want anything to step into my life and take a mirror and turn it around and point it to me and be like, there's your problem. <laughs> oh, good. This isn't good at all. Like, that's not what I want. But at the end of the day, don't you want to move forward? Don't you want to be better? Do you want to stay in the same lull, in the same ruts every single day of your life? I couldn't do it. There's no way I could do it. Like, I've got to have something pushing me another direction, something that pushes against me, something that carves into me and then says, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? Or I, will, I can't move forward. I will get lazy. I will binge watch Netflix and my life will go to the toilet. I promise you. I can't. 
There's got to be something carving against me. Here's what else is cool. It is like a double-edged sword. Literally, this is, this is really cool, and I didn't, I didn't know this. The sword is called the blood drinker. The double-edged sword is called the blood drinker. Creepy is that? Side note, one of the main themes of the book of Hebrews is the high priest, the high priesthood, or the the, the priestly part of who Jesus is, that he is our great high priest, okay? That's built off of the idea of, of Israel's high priest who they would go and they would make sacrifices and the high priest would perform these ceremonies and these sacrifices for the people to God. Jesus, what we find in Hebrews, is the perfect um, high priest and the perfect sacrifice at the same time. When we begin to... T- to think about the job of a high priest in offering these sacrifices, we don't get the right picture. They did not teach us this right in Sunday school. So let me take just a moment to tell you what they should have told you in Sunday school so that you can be like, oh, that's freaking weird, you know? Here it is. Josephus, uh, uh, he's, a, he's a Jewish historian from the time of, uh, from the time of, of Jesus and the disciples' day, Okay. Josephus writes that at one point, and this is in the Talmud too, um, some other writings uh, by by rabbis at the time. They said that uh, like on Passover in Jerusalem, how many different animals were killed during the sacrifices ranged somewhere around one point, check this out, 1.2 million different animals were killed on Passover. 1.2 1.2 million teams of priests were at, were at the temple slaughtering these animals all day long. One writer says they were up to their waist wading in blood performing these sacrifices. Oh, no wonder they didn't teach this in Sunday school. This is what was going on. When this says high priest, and it's talking about the high priesthood, verse, uh, uh, verse 13 says, the, says the, very next, the very next part, which is cool. And this just rings of all the high priest talk, especially concerning sacrifice. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him uh, to whom we must give an account. That whole idea of being laid bare is this chopped up, spread apart, filleted out, laid open, gutted, field-dressed, butcher shop this is the words and so what we get a picture of is him saying the word of god is living and active like a blood drinking sword sharp on both sides able to carve in places you do not want it to carve wow have you seen this show i can't remember what it's called one of you guys will know forged the sword show what's it called forged uh forged in fire have you seen when they take these uh these samurai swords and these, these kind of long swords, and they hack full pieces of meat, like full pig carcasses. And have you seen this? Those are sharp, right? Those are sharp. That's amazing. These two-edged, double-edged sword, blood-drinking sword. And what it does is it takes Scripture and it says... Scripture is, is like that very thing. It has this ability to carve on both sides, to just cut right through wherever it wants to go and differentiate between the most minute things. Let me give you an example. 
Revelation chapter 1, verse 16 says this, talking about Jesus at his coming when he comes and he's going to establish his kingdom. When he returns for his bride, the church, us, here's what the book of John, I mean, the book of Revelation, the writer is the same writer as the book of John, what John writes about Jesus. In his right hand, he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. Revelation 2, 12 says this, to the angel of the church of Pergamum, write, these words are of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. Jesus is the embodiment of God's word when he walked on earth. He was the embodiment of everything that God was and is when he walked on earth. When Jesus ascended into heaven, we were given the Holy Spirit, and then later on, all of a sudden, these writings begin to show up, and we begin to put them together. If you want more information on this, you need to hit up Luke's, uh, uh, Luke's, Luke's uh, the film that he's been showing. Um, this whole idea that Jesus is this thing that even through creation, he was present and the world was created through Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Is it talking about the word, the Bible? No, it's talking about logos and the word is logos. And who is it talking about? Jesus. The Jesus has this, the real high priest has this ability to carve between. That's sharp. That his words can, they can slice. So here's where it goes next. To the soul and to the spirit. This is pretty interesting to me. If you were to say to me, before going through this, what's the difference between the soul and the spirit? I don't know that I could have given you a very good answer. And I don't know that I'm going to give you a really good answer right now. I'll give you my best answer. As I've read through it, soul is where we get our word psyche. Psyche. So... It is your inner man. It is your personality. It is everything that kind of encompasses you, who you are, your uh, experiences on this world. It's your psyche. It's the you that's the most you inside of you, just you, okay? Is that, is that fair? Your psyche. The next one is soul and spirit. Spirit is the word pneuma, which pneuma means wind, breath, pneumothorax, pneumatology, pneumonia, all has to do with what? Feet. No, lungs. Breath. It's breathing. It's about the spirit. This is the divine part of you that God has kick-started and put your life together. You are now functioning with what? The spirit, not the Holy Spirit, the spirit that now you just, you just live. You just live. How do you separate those two things? <coughs> I can't even get two different categories for them inside of my brain. I have no idea. I mean, how do you say, this is exactly who I am and I believe this way and I live this way and this is the part of me that's the real me. And then there's this part over here that I'm, I'm alive but I'm... It's not really me. Like, God put that in me to keep me. Do you see what I mean? Like, it immediately takes me to the deep end of the pool where I have no floaties on, and I can't do it. This is what it is. 
And God's word has the ability to get to that place. That's impressive. Whatever the sinew or the, 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 the fabric, the skin, the connected skin, the connective tissue between soul and spirit and how they, exi- they exist inside of your body at the same time, and God's word has the ability to carve between and never nick either side of the body. I mean, either side, soul or spirit. God's word can separate those? Gee, many. Fourth thing I want to point out is this. This one is, uh, this one's pretty important. The verse says, it judges the thoughts and attitudes. The word judge is the word critique. Critique. You ever had anybody in your life who's just critical? Didn't matter what you did. Didn't matter. You know, they just found something. They're just pushing all the time just putting at that thing, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, that critical just attitude. All the time. Stop looking at one another. Stop elbowing one another. Like, I'm see, like don't, I don't want to see you do it. Like, I don't want to know. Right? But it's true. We get this, just this nagging type of thing that just comes over. Critical. Like you're always under scrutiny. Somebody's always looking over the top of your life. And what this is saying right here is that God's word has the ability to come in and find that dividing line and figure out exactly where you have misstepped, draw the line, carve right between it. But it has the ability to judge between, check this out, attitudes and intentions, thoughts and attitudes, this idea of thoughts and attitudes. So I got to look at it. Okay, what are thoughts and attitudes and how are they different? Thoughts and attitudes are different. They're different here. Let me read it to you. Some thoughts that go through your head are just thoughts, right? You don't really know what you believe about them. They're just things that are just floating around in your head. Like some of you, you come to a place like this and you might have questions like, huh, I think he might be kind of insane, but I'm not sure yet, right? And you can have that. It's like I haven't haven't cast my vote yet to decide if this is really what I believe or I don't know. Maybe I'll come back next week. Give it another go. I don't know. Should I go into business with this guy or should I do business with this person? I don't know. I haven't made up my mind yet. What do I believe about abortion? What do I believe about whatever? Politics. What do I believe? I'm not sure. I'm still wrestling with it. I'm kind of in that place that's in between. That, all that, that I just explained? Thoughts. The first one. Judges between the thoughts. That's those. Things that I have not, they're just there. I haven't got to where I believe them just yet. Attitudes are this right here. And this is cool to me. What you know you believe. What do you know that you believe? I can tell you what I know. I believe that if somebody ever came into my house and tried to harm my family, I might have to go to prison. That's what I know. That's what I know. I know it. This will be one of those times in my life to where I will run to the noise that is scary and whatever's there, I'm going to just, I'm biting it in the face. You know what I mean? Like I am, I'm biting it in the face because this is what I know I believe beyond any doubt whatsoever. This is how I live. Things that I know that I believe about God. Things that he has made so clear to me that I would have to be burned to death. I'm not going to deny him. I'm not going to deny him. And they might not be hugely important to anybody else but me, but I'm holding on to them. 
Because God made it clear to me. I cannot be convinced otherwise. I cannot. What is the line between things I have not made up my mind on and things I have made up my mind on? Where is that line? Do you see what the word of God has the ability to do? To point at the instant when these thoughts that are over here all of a sudden become, this is how I feel and I believe this with my whole heart. God's word has that ability. The world is dying right now. This is just my opinion. And it is in absolute crisis because men are doing such a terrible job of being men. Terrible job raising, leading their families. Terrible job loving their wives. Terrible job loving the war. Terrible job racing into the fray. Terrible. They want to be soft. They want to set back. They just want to let the world come to them. They want easy so bad, and they're bored, and they're depressed. And it saddens me. Absolutely saddens me. When we were boys, that is not how we thought. Every stick was a gun or a knife, and somebody was getting plugged this afternoon. That's how we lived. We're going to build a fort, and there's not going to be any girls allowed, and this is what we're going to do, and we're going to fight, and me and you might fight today, but tomorrow we're going to be best friends again, and we're going to build more forts. This is what we're doing. And we got older, and we turned into this other deal. I don't even know what it is. And the world desperately needs men to step up and be who they're supposed to be, what God made them to be. Always right? No. Wild? Yeah. Not quite sure what we're going to do, but it's going to be good and fun, and we're going to try our hardest, and it might get bloody, and we, we might get confusing. Yeah, we're not stopping and asking for directions. We're not. We're just doing it. And then we get in this place right here. And we look at the word of God and we see what it is calling us to. It has the ability to say, this is who you're supposed to be. Here's the things that are floating around in your head. Here's who you need to be. This is floating around in your head that you need to step up to the plate and be the man you're supposed to be. And then here's the men over here who are those men. What is the line? It's God's word. Listen, you don't get there watching a hunting channel. You just don't. You don't get there hunting. You don't get there because your daddy was tough. You don't get there. That's not how you get there. The only way you get there is if you dig into God's word and then God says, you know what you are? That's a man. That's the only way you get there. God's word has the ability to do that. Check this out, ladies. For you, just the same. You want to know who you are? Our whole world is in the middle of an identity crisis. Our whole world. Why in the world do we not go to the place to where we figure out who we are and what we believe? God's word. Yeah, but it's kind of hard and I don't always understand it. Okay, that doesn't make any difference at all to you or to God. There's a lot of things you do every single day, like look at Facebook, that you do not understand and neither does God. Okay? And you can do it. You can read it, and it can impact your life, and it can change you. Our world is in an identity crisis. This is offering us an answer. This is offering us a way out. This is us wandering through the parking lot, clicking our beeper, looking for our vehicle. How do we get out of here? And then everything around us is going, nah, 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 nah. and we're walking in circles. And God is calling us to say, yo, 
come over here. I need to get you out of here. I can show you who you are. Because he loves us. We were made in the image of him. And if anybody would know, it would be him. If you do not know Jesus, and you want to, um, first let me say this. I would warn you, because he don't play. He just doesn't. He's going to mess with every aspect of your life, and that's why some of us just continue to avoid him. Because he will continue to mess with different aspects of your life all the time. I'm very uncomfortable around him. Very uncomfortable around him. But you know what? He loves me. And there wasn't a long list and a long line of people who were over there, queued up, ready to love me. But he was. If you need to know who he is, come talk to me. I'd love to visit with you about that. Let's pray, then we'll go home. God, we love you, and we thank you for everything you've done for us. We thank you for your word and its ability to carve into us, uh, to give us identity, to show us who we need to be. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful afternoon.